wonderful things about uh, studying the scripture is how that things from one part of the scripture tie into things from another part of the scripture and you can build all of this up together uh, and make it all come full circle. That's a wonderful thing about it. The uh, uh, One of the small negatives about it is, is when you're thinking about and you've got it all full circle, where do you start on the circle? You know, because that's, uh, it, it just call, comes back together uh, again. This morning we focused on the resurrection and particularly the resurrection of Jesus Christ as he uh, died on the cross for us and uh, the blessing that we have that he did arise after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and uh, that uh, the resurrection is such a blessing to uh, to us. You know, uh, as, as we look back in time and we look back in the history of Scripture in the Old Testament, go all the way back to the time of Adam and Eve and that event, that uh, sin that brought in a separation from God and brought in that death uh, and brought in that concept of death. Because, you know, if there had never been sin, there would have never been death. And uh, that's, uh, that's the way that I read Scripture anyway. I didn't hear any amens about that, but I'm going to assume you agree with me anyway, that, uh, that without sin there is, is no death. And so uh, the fact that sin entered in then caused Adam and Eve to have to think about, all of a sudden, about what death is. Now, you know that the tree that, the, 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 that they ate of, that fruit was of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, that doesn't seem like a very good bargain when they already knew the good because they knew God. But uh, so therefore, all they got out of the bargain was a knowledge of evil. And, uh, and therefore, one of, that, uh, uh, one of those elements of that knowledge then, because of sin, is a knowledge that they had broken their relationship with God and that uh, they were no longer uh, worthy to be in the presence of God. Hence, the reason they hid when God came looking for them and uh, that they knew that they, uh, they were in need of something. Well, uh, to not belabor that point because uh, of that, well, then we have this promise that God is going to rectify things. And you see that in Genesis chapter 3, how that God brought in that, uh, that promise of rectifying things through the seed of woman. And so uh, we, we now come many years later, and they've been looking for a Messiah. They've been looking for that solution, right, that has uh, been promised unto them. And that will bring back life. But what does that really mean? The concept of of life and death was brought in. But the concept of eternal life is something much different than just the concept of life and death. And that's what I want to talk about briefly this morning. And I'll try not to uh, get too deep for two reasons. One is... I won't understand it if I get too deep. And two is, y'all will all go to sleep, and then uh, we'll be in a mess. So uh, let's just try to, to think about this from a, a broader perspective, I guess. You know, there are, there are people, uh, there have been people all along who have not believed in an existence 
beyond this existence. And boy, again, I'm going to have to, I'm just going to be a struggle not to get too technical, but uh, we've got what we call life and death. And we've got a, a funeral of a dear friend this coming Tuesday. And we think about that. We, we, we say, well, she has died, right? And that's our common uh, vernacular is to say that she has died. But we also know that she's really not dead. Uh, it's like when uh, what Billy Graham said one time. He said, when you read of the reports of my death in the newspapers, don't believe it. Because it is really then that I have only begun to live. And so we understand it from that standpoint. There's this existence, and then there is that existence. And uh, I'm referring to that existence, of course, as eternal existence. Now, if, uh, if I understand things correctly, you and I both believe in the resurrection of the just and the unjust. And uh, that is, everybody is going to be resurrected, some to eternal life, some to eternal damnation. That's what the scripture teaches. We understand that concept. And so, uh, but not everybody uh, believes in an existence after this existence, right? And uh, if, if they don't, you, you kind of wonder about what their thought process is about what this is all about, right? And, and about this existence and this this life in fact you can be a person can be religious to use that term broadly a person can be religious and yet not believe in an eternal existence i'm going to give you an example right out of the scripture acts chapter four and as they spake and it's referring here to uh, the apostles and particularly to uh, peter and john and it says, as they, Peter and John, spake unto the people, the priests, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Now, I imagine that most of you remember that about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? Everybody remembers that there is a group called the Pharisees, a group called the Sadducees. Really quickly, let me just tell you, Pharisees, very legalistic very much strictly according to the book, very much uh, uh, literal in, in the Old Testament scriptures and what they meant and what they said, et cetera, et cetera. And so they're the ones who really came up with all of the rules about you can only walk so far on the Sabbath, you got to wash your hands a certain way, your pots a certain way, you got to do this, you got to do that. They're the ones, they're the rule makers. The Sadducees were a group that, uh, that, really tied into the Greek culture of that day. Now, the Greek culture of that day, very philosophical, right? Uh, we, we know all of the philosophers that came from the, uh, the Greek uh, history and, and such, and, and so they were always wanting to learn something new. You know, they were very philosophical. And the Sadducees were, was a group of uh, relig Jewish religious people who were uh, you know Pharisees Pharisees against the Greek system the Hellenistic system is what it was called and the Sadducees very much in favor of the Hellenistic system and and wanted to merge the Hellenistic Greek system with the Jewish religious system and and therefore have a a quasi religion that was acceptable to the Greek world and so um 
they did not believe in an existence after this existence, or as what we might call it, or we heard it uh, commonly referred to as life after death, right? So they, they don't believe in any kind of a life after death or an existence after this. And so the Sadducees come to Peter and John, and Peter and John, again, are speaking to the people, they're preaching to the people, and evidently they are preaching to the people about not only Jesus, but of course about the, the uh, crucifixion of Jesus and about the burial of Jesus, all well and good with the Sadducees until you get to this third element, and that is the resurrection of Jesus. And when they started talking about the resurrection of Jesus, Sadducees get all upset. They, they don't like that. And they go, it says, in fact, in verse 2, that they were grieved because of this teaching, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, I find this to be a, an interesting uh, and illogical uh, position in my humble but accurate opinion. Did you all catch that? Okay. Just want to make sure you're still with me. You hadn't fallen asleep yet from those cinnamon rolls. So, uh, I, I, I just don't understand why somebody would be grieved over the prospect of life after death or life after this life or an existence beyond this existence. But the Sadducees were grieved that they that Peter and John were teaching the people about resurrection through Jesus Christ. Now, as I've said, uh, people have from from all history, there have been people who have not believed in a resurrection. And there are people today who do not believe in a resurrection. And uh, we can um, we can uh, talk about that here in just a moment. But we do see it in the Old Testament scriptures and we do understand it uh, from the Old Testament scriptures as well. The uh, in the book of Daniel, we see in Daniel chapter 12. And at that time shall Michael stand up. Always like that my name is in the Bible. Okay, just me. All right. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, great prince, <laughs> which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time, Thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Now, we all know that the end of this world is coming. We all know that. We understand that it's going to end. If we can read it in Scripture, that, that it's very plain that this world is going to end. There's going to be a last day here, and that eternal day shall arise that day star from on high shall arise with healing in his wings, as we talked about this morning. <clears throat> uh, so we're looking forward to that time. <clears throat> but before that time, there's going to be a time of real trouble in this world. And people have been predicting the beginnings of that time of real trouble for a long time now. 
And so, uh, you know, we see it again, even in today's world, and we see what's happening in the world today, and we say, oh, is this the beginning of something? Well, it's been beginning for some time now, since Jesus uh, ascended and went back to heaven, the time has been beginning, and, and yet we see that there is going to be a time that everyone is going to be delivered that is, whose name is written in the book. Now, you all know what book that is. It is referred to as the Lamb's Book of Life. And that, that book was written before the foundation of the world. It was closed up. It was sealed up. And it has not been unsealed since then. And it will not be unsealed until that last day when all of this existence goes away and eternal existence comes into being. And so uh, at that point, the book will be opened up and there will be a roll call. And that's exactly why we have that song. You know it. When the roll is called up yonder, right? And so uh, there's going to be a roll call uh, in, in that sense. And, and uh, everybody whose name is written in the book is going to be delivered. Everybody whose name is not written in the book is not going to be delivered. And so we see that. Well, it is this deliverance or this not deli- being delivered that we're talking about that comes about after this existence. And so uh, uh, there, if there is deliverance then of everybody whose names is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that means that there has to be a coming back of those people who have died, as we refer to it today, and yet whose name is written. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Now, I've mentioned this many times before here. Aren't you glad we're hard shells? This is a hard shell, right? This is, this is, uh, this is something that is ev- absolutely going to happen. And so, uh, again, many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. So that even if there were people who did not believe, did not understand about the resurrection, right here in the prophecy of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 2, it tells us very plainly there's going to be a resurrection, and there's going to be a resurrection of the just to eternal life. There's going to be a resurrection of the unjust to eternal damnation as well. We see uh, similarly taught in Psalm 49. Psalm 49 is very... Good psalm, not that any of them aren't a good psalm, but this is a good psalm, uh, uh, 49. Uh, Hear this, all ye people, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, low, high, rich, poor, uh, you know, whatever you may be, take a listen to this, have an understanding of this, because it is a message of wisdom. It says, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. And he goes on to talk about uh, how that the... Uh, the whole world is subject to death. And we see these people, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing the psalm here, we see these people who seem to have it all going for them, right? Everything falls into place for them. Everything is just right for them. Everything seems to work out for them and what have you. And we're, we get a little jealous about it and say, well, I wish I had an easy life as well, Right? I want to be, uh, as they sang on Annie, I want to be on Easy Street. 
Well, you just never know what kind of references I'm going to bring into a message, do you? Uh, I, I want to be on Easy Street, right? And I'm jealous of those who, uh, who are on Easy Street, and I'm not on Easy Street. Well, it goes on to then to say, but take heed to this, because think about the ending of that. They, they cannot, none of them can redeem themselves. That's what it says in verse 7. None of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him for the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceaseth forever. Now, when you read the word ceaseth there in that verse, uh, you can reinterpret it as it lasts forever. That's that's really what it means. It lasts forever. That is, uh, this redemption... This redemption. So here we have this concept of redemption. The redemption that is referred to here is the redemption that is referred to in in Psalm 22 and Psalm 23. It's the redemption that is referred to all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 that we've already referenced where God has promised there's going to be somebody to come in and deliver. And there's going to be this redemption from the position of being uh, uh, dead in trespasses and in sins of being uh, uh, away from God separated from God there's going to be a redemption to occur and this redemption cannot come by the things of this world it cannot come by the riches of this world it cannot come by the stocks and bonds of this world it cannot come by the monies of this world it cannot come by the governments of this world and there's a whole lot more of cannots we can add to that so what can it come from it can only come from one source and that's jesus christ himself right he said i am the way the truth the life he did not say i am a way a truth a life he didn't say i'm one option out of many he said i am the one and only that can only that redemption can only come through jesus christ we cannot redeem ourselves no matter how well off and the the people we're jealous of can't redeem themselves no, no matter how much wealth they build up none of them can redeem themselves that they should still live forever and not see corruption they continue to die well on down uh, in this same psalm uh, verse 14 like sheep they are laid in the grave death shall feed on them and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning upright shall have dominion over them in the morning You think of the worst enemies of yourself and of this world, and they seem like they have the upper hand, they seem like they have the power, they seem like it's going to, to be that way forever. Well, let me tell you, one of these days, everybody dies. You've heard that saying before, nobody gets out of this life alive, right? Uh, The only thing, the two things that are certain are death and taxes, right? And um, if taxes went away, whoo, Tomorrow's tax day, by the way. Uh, if taxes went away, death wouldn't go away, uh, and and it, it's still with us. So um, they, there is death. They they, they cannot escape that. Uh, if they will eventually die, here's where I was going with that. Your worst enemy, they will eventually die, and then you have the advantage over them, right? And so uh, so it says here in the scripture, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. Now, you've heard me say this before. I've said everything in the last 30 years I've been up here. I've said all I 
know what to say and a few things I'm not so sure about. <laughs> How many millions of dollars are spent every year on beauty products? Well, you can obviously tell I don't have much of a budget for that. <laughs> beauty is going to be consumed in the grave, but God, but God, it's one of the, my favorite sayings in all of Scripture, but God, because things go along in life and things aren't so good in life, but God shows up and things are different, right? Isn't that great? But God, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave for he shall receive me. And there it is again. It's right there in scripture about the redemption and about the resurrection and about how things are going to change, how things are going to be different. So uh, we have this death, what we call death. We laid them in the grave. Death consumes them. Death feeds upon them. Uh, It's very uh, much described in that scripture and and others uh, about what happens and and that your beauty is consumed there in the grave and such. But God comes in and intervenes and causes us to, to stand again. Job. The book of Job is commonly believed to be actually the oldest written book that we have in our Bible. Now we think about Genesis. There's, it's true that the, that the events of Genesis, uh, well, the events of Genesis 1 preceded Job. No doubt about that, right? But as far as being actually written, written down, uh, it's commonly believed that the book of Job is the oldest book uh, in, in the Bible. Job, and I say that because this, in other words, we're going way back in time to what is some of the first recorded history when we're talking about the book of Job. We're going way back. This is some of the first recorded history. And you see what all Job went through and all the trials and tribulations and problems that Job endured. And, and, and you read about all the, the whys and wherefores of all that. But I want to bring out a one thought out of Job. And that is there comes a point in time where we are instructed and is, is described to us in Job that, that there is a belief at that time, old time in history, right? First, uh, possibly the first book written in, in history, uh, as far as the biblical book goes, God-inspired book. And, and even way back then, the author says, Job says, I have this belief that at the last day, I'm going to be redeemed and I'm going to stand and I'm going to see my Redeemer even at that point. So this concept... Of, of life after death, of existence after this existence. This concept has been around for a long, long time, even though there's a whole lot of people who do not believe it, do not understand it uh, at all. Ezekiel chapter 37, one of, uh, one of my favorite stories of the Bible. Ezekiel chapter 37. And this is commonly referred to as the, the story about the Valley of Dry Bones. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about already? The Valley of Dry Bones. And it, it's a great story. 
and it's uh, it's uh, makes it uh, uh, such a good easy job to be a preacher when you have this good material. And I'm thankful to God for that. And and so here is this Valley of Dry Bones. Ezekiel is a prophet out there, and he says, "The hand of the Lord was upon me." And carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. So get this visualization here. Uh, Ezekiel is here. The prophet is is there. and, And all of a sudden God scoops him up. And by the spirit of God, he is taken and he is set down in the middle of this valley and all over this valley are dry bones, dry bones. Um, I saw, uh, who in here has a, um, a bad habit like me of looking at memes? You know what a meme is? Oh, I love memes. They're great. I saw a meme one time, there's a, a, a whole bunch of bones in an Ikea bag, you know. <laughs> and so it's, do your own, uh, you know, put your own bones... Uh, that's what I visualize here when I'm thinking about the Valley of Dry Bones. There's all these bones out there, and, and they're just scattered everywhere, and, and it's worse than trying to put together something from Ikea because you don't know what bone goes to what bone. Now, I understand the old song. Now, I know y'all want me to sing it, don't you? The foot bones connected to the ankle bone. Okay, that's it. That's all I get. You've got to pay me for more. <laughs> than that. I sell tickets, but all of these bones are out there, and the, the prophet is set down in the middle of these bones, and they are dry bones. Now, I want you to understand these are dry bones. Why, do we, why is that emphasized? It's emphasized because, as you know, inside of bones is marrow, and, uh, and, and marrow, boy, uh, I am no physician, I do know the difference between male and female, but I'm no physician. <laughs> but there's, there's life in the blood, is what the scripture says, right? And, and there's that marrow has the blood in it, all this stuff. The emphasis is there is no life here whatsoever. It's been gone for a long time. This is not a bunch of bones that were freshly put down there from a fresh kill. These are bones that have been dry. In fact, it goes on to say, and the Spirit caused me to pass by them round about. I'm going around. The Spirit is taking me round about inspecting all of these bones. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. This emphasis is, there is no life here whatsoever. None. This, this, these bones are as far away from life as you can get. The opposite end of the spectrum of life is what these bones are. And there's a whole lot of them, and they're scattered all around. And God asked Ezekiel this question, Son of man, can these bones live? Well, if I'm sitting in the valley of dry bones, and lo, they are very dry... The answer seems to be very simple, and I'm a grammarian here. In other words, I do know I'm about to say a word that grammarians don't like. Ain't no way. 
Ain't no way they're going to come back to life again. You can take all of these bones and you can put them together, but it's still, there's no going to be life in them. None whatsoever. There's not, they are very dry. All the life has been gone out. Son of man, can these bones live? Seems to be a very straightforward answer. Ezekiel, however, being a prophet of God, is very familiar with that favorite phrase of ours, but God. And the logical, the rational thought, according to the wisdom of this world, is no way can these bones live again. Ezekiel, however, remembers this is God talking. And God can do whatever God wants to do. He can make it happen. And so Ezekiel wisely answers, O Lord God, thou knowest. In other words, I don't know. I'm not, not going to answer this question. You know, this, uh, this Jeopardy question is too, too far in advance for me. God, you're the one who knows this. You know whether they can or not. And then God shows Ezekiel, gives Ezekiel this prophecy that describes these bones that are going to come together and God is going to put on these bones the sinew and the flesh and the skin and, and he's going to bring them together all together Bone to bone, let's, let's see. And he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin. In other words, you've got the tendons, you've got the, uh, the muscle, you've got the skin. It's all been put back together. And he says, and put breath in you. Now this is harking back, by the way, to when God made Adam from the dust of the earth, formed man out of the dust of the earth, and breathed into man the breath of life. That's back in, in the book of Genesis. And so this is harking back to that same kind of concept here. God's going to bring these bones together. He's going to put uh, tendons and, and, and muscle and skin upon them. And then he says, I'm going to breathe in them and they shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. And then God is here saying, this is what's going to happen. You're going to prophesy. Word of the Lord's going to, to be powerful enough to bring all this together, make all this happen. And you're going to see that these bones that are dry, nay, they are very dry, are going to live again. In spite of the fact that it makes no sense from our, for our finite minds, from our finite perspective here on this earth. And that's what happens. And it uh, says, I prophesied, so I prophesied, just like I was commanded. And then there was this noise and a shaking, and the bones came together. And this is how I know that the bones knew which bone to connect to. Bone to his bone. Not just bone to bone, but bone to his bone. That means that a person didn't get somebody else's bones. And that's important. It's important because when you get to heaven, 
you don't want to have to be stuck with all in all eternity with anything that was ever anything of mine, right? I mean, you can say, well, now that's just great. I'm stuck for all eternity with this finger that Mike had. No. Your bone is going to come to your bone. And you're going to be you. And that's the resurrection. You're going to be you. You're not going to be somebody else. You're not going to be some Frankenstein that God has made. You're going to be you. Bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was still no breath in them. He said, prophesy unto the wind. This is a um, emblematic of the Holy Spirit. Prophesy to the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord of the God, uh, the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe unto these slain, that they may live. He prophesied, the breath came, they did it, and they lived... And there was a great army there at that. This is a prophecy of resurrection. It's a prophecy of resurrection. You are dead in trespasses and in sins. You are dry bones. There is no life in you. However, the word of the Lord comes in and the spirit of the Lord comes in. But God changes things and he causes you to live and this is what we have forward to look forward to at the end of this world when uh well hopefully it comes today right I mean, no better time than today in in my opinion now i didn't say my humble but accurate opinion that time because god has a better knowledge about when the better time is than i am than i do so so from my perspective today is a good day God has already got it figured out and I'll just have to trust him as to which day it's going to be. But if it's today, that's great. Um, now, where was I? So uh, at the resurrection, this is all going to occur. We're, we're going to be raised up. If we're still alive at the time of the resurrection, that is at the last day, we are told by the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the church at Thessalonica, we who are alive and remain shall not prevent them which are already asleep, that is already what we call dead, and it's going to happen. And we're all going to be caught up together in the air. We're going to cause, uh, be caused to stand there with, with God so that when the roll is called up yonder, every child of God will be there. Now, that, to me, is a good message, right? It's, it's good news that it's going to occur. I am thankful in the resurrection. I'm thankful for the resurrection. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ showed us that there is going to be a resurrection. You remember when Jesus, uh, after Lazarus had died, Jesus went to, uh, to his town and to his house. Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, were there. They come out. Uh, one one by one and, and the message to Jesus is if you had just been here our brother would have lived and what was Jesus' response? Jesus said I am the resurrection yes he is uh, and, and even Martha said remember she said I know he's going to live at the last day 
So there was an understanding about the resurrection uh, with Martha. So she said, I understand that. He said, be comforted, I am the resurrection. Now we know Lazarus was resurrected right then. The thing about Lazarus is, is that he died again. They had to bury him a second time. It's like a bad Halloween story. But God intervened. And Lazarus is going to be raised again. This Next time Lazarus is raised, he's going to be raised permanently. Just like all of our loved ones that have gone before and just like us, if we were to pass from this life uh, before Jesus comes again the second time, it's all going to happen. It's, it's the resurrection. And it's because Jesus is not just the firstborn among many brethren, But he is also the first one to be resurrected among many brethren. And his resurrection, his resurrection, by the way, was by the power of God. God raised him by his own power. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that will raise us from the dead on that last day. The resurrection is coming. And so today... We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate his resurrection at this time. Because they went to the tomb. And they looked in the tomb. And he wasn't there. You know what was there? What was there was this kind of mummy capsule, if you will. Because, you know, when they died, they wrapped them up in strips of cloth, strips of cloth, strips of cloth and such. And, uh, and, and he was there. And, and that, that capsule was there. Just like the capsule of a caterpillar. But Jesus, the body, was gone. Came out just like a caterpillar. Comes out of its cocoon. And... And they were just amazed. They thought, how can this happen? He, he couldn't just slip out like that. How does this happen? It's a miracle. Jesus shows us with his resurrection. They looked in there. They saw he wasn't there. He was arisen. And he showed himself. And today, because of that empty tomb, we have hope. If we did not have hope in the resurrection, we would be of all people most miserable but because of this resurrection we have hope today may god bless you to see that every day not just today